Welcome to It's Our Turn. Welcome to It's Our Turn. Queers in Cults. We would like to acknowledge the original inhabitants of this area, the Weot tribe, and thank the past, present, and future stewards of this land. This land acknowledgement does not exist in the past tense. Colonialism is a current ongoing process, and we need to build the mindfulness of our present participation. We all should take action to support our local indigenous communities. Go to honortax.org to find out more about whose land you're on and how to support those tribes. In this show, we talk about religious and personal trauma. Our episodes often include subjects centering around manipulation, gaslighting, coercion, toxic masculinity, patriarchy, shame, guilt, brainwashing, emotional, mental, and physical abuse. If any of these topics are things you don't want to hear today, please feel free to skip this episode. Your mental health is always the top priority. Is it happening? Is it, is it real? Are we on? Are we live? I think so. I can hear your phone notifications. This is <laughs> so much. You know what? I don't understand how this radio thing works. Like, is it? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely not. Woo! <laughs> we Let's did take it. a deep breath in. <laughs> and out. <sighs> Welcome to It's Our Turn. Queers, Queers and Cults. We... Who the fuck are you? New <laughs> <laughs> body in the room. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Aiden. My pronouns are they, them. I'm Emerson. My pronouns are he, they. I'm Holly Ray, and my pronouns are she, they. We have a guest. Finally. I know. Other than Tony. <laughs> no offense, Tony. And Tony's not really a guest anymore. They just... Yeah, no. Like a yeah. Yeah. This we, is a very special have, guest. How long have we been working on this? Like six months? And it's just been... By working, I yeah. mean like me actually just setting We've been a date. thinking about it. It's been in the ether. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. been floating out there waiting for the correct time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this, this is it. This and is it's happening. Yeah. I'm so excited. So... <laughs> fucking excited about this. I have been looking forward to it. I look forward to this podcast every week. That's not a new thing, but yeah. I've been looking forward to this specifically for a while. A while. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm flattered. Yeah. Same. I'm a... <laughs> yeah. I, the, y- you've heard me say this already. And also, to be fair, we will repeat ourselves. We met up before being on air. Anyway, so um, I was a little flustered slash am a little flustered because you are the first, like, in-person ex-Mormon that's, like, super not Mormon still. <laughs> that's is... an intense responsibility. Yeah, I mean, no <laughs> pressure. I'm, I'm oh, my God. <laughs> does, it no feel, pressure. does it feel like a little bit, like, celebrity status? Like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're here. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Like, just a little bit. And especially, like, hearing about what, like, what you are desiring to do with your time. Like, that's just really, like... Oh, thank, thank you, you for being here. <laughs> well, likewise, I I love what you guys do on this podcast and the conversations you have. And I'm like so excited and passionate about it because um, I think the only way to like really begin to understand how to untangle these struggles that we find ourselves in is to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we've said this before that I feel like that is I, I kind of say two things. One of the reasons why I like I do this is that um uh, sorry, 
computer stuff. Okay. Validation is one of the most powerful forms of magic. And then like the best way to, um, the best way to like just help in general is to normalize things and the best way to normalize them is to talk about them yeah and that's why i do this because like so many people need so many people have had similar experiences um to yours whatever your experience is and the more you talk about it as long you know within your comfort level the more someone can relate to it the more they can relate to it the more they can normalize it and then the, the more help they can get is how yeah. I feel. You yeah. know? Being seen is a really powerful healing tool. Absolutely. Just the most, some of the, some, the most of my like uh, healing and, and progression that I've done, I feel like is just hearing somebody say, oh yeah, I've done, you know, that makes sense. My, not my last therapist, but the ser- therapist before, um, it's hard to find, keep therapists here because they all move away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two therapists, I've had two <clears throat> therapists move and one retire. Um, um, but, uh, just hearing her, me explain something that I felt like was just outrageous, very unique, like, just like, I'm, you know, like, oh, I'm embarrassed to even tell you this. And she was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can totally understand why you would feel that way. And it was just like, oh, oh oh my God. Oh, I'm allowed to feel how I feel. Oh, whoa. And it's not yep. strange or weird or, you know, you don't yeah. feel, you're not, you're not the only one. Gosh, that is... Yeah, Oof. we're out there. Yeah, we're all, there's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> so many, and I feel like in particular Mormon stories. Yeah, like ex-Mormon stories are really coming out. Like there's um on I think it's Hulu Mormon No More. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I am dying I to see it. Ooh, I'll um, watch it with you. I yeah, feel like yeah. I need a buddy for that one. <laughs> There's also um, Under the Banner of Heaven. I haven't seen that I one either. I cannot watch it. I cannot watch that <laughs> Too one. Too close. Um, Murder Among the Mormons, though. I have seen that one. Pretty Murder triggered. Among the Mormons. Oh. That sounds like an Agatha Christie novel. Like it Hercule does, it Perot. It kind of is. It is, it is a pretty rich <laughs> is story. Is it real, though? Is it, it's like, yes. It's not like a fiction? No. So um, yeah. the Murder Among the Mormons is an actual true story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened oh, like in the 70s or 80s? I lived in Salt Lake when that happened, guys. <gasps> it was like one. What? It was like down the street from where I lived. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ah, I was a baby. Oh, oh my God. Oh, See, you starting so young. You lived through so much. <laughs> God, yeah, you just, you would, you dove, dove right in, right? But away. anyway, the, I don't know. We could talk about Mormon documentaries all day long. But anyway. And you should at some point. I there's, yeah, yeah. But there's just, there's a lot of um, like reclaiming um, being ex Mormon. And even Mormons don't want that title anymore you right know? like which i find really fascinating i i think i think they're just you know i uh, i have many opinions if you can't <laughs> um but i think i think that we can have that you know we yeah. can have that identity and, yeah. and it's a safe thing because it isn't with them anymore right or we can redefine it yeah yes they really yes. they really the church really likes to um be the ones in charge of defining the meaning of things and I think that's one of the more powerful aspects of growing out of anything is to be able to um, look at it analyze it pull it apart get rid of what's not yours Mm -hmm. and then reclaim what is and call it whatever you want yeah so yeah I still call myself Mormon do you I was gonna ask if you do yep 
Controversial. No, I <laughs> like not ex-Mormon sure. specifically. Like you are Mormon. I'll I'll say ex-Mormon, um, formerly practicing, or Mormon, depending on the context. That's that's that's. I follow these, follow this account. They're really fucking cool. Um, they uh, they have a podcast, and I don't know if it's like an ongoing podcast or they just did it long enough to tell their story. But it's called the Non-Binary Marriage, and they're both mm. from a conservative Christian background, and then like. They both still identify as Christian, and they're they're married. They're a couple, and one of them came out as non-binary, and so they just talk about. And they still they they're Christians. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They just don't believe the rhetoric that a lot right. of religious yeah. people, you know, yeah, uh, uh, you know, the portray. agenda yeah. behind yeah, 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 yeah. it. So they're super, you know, like super queer supporting and uplifting and all that they're incredible it's april joy you should follow them on instagram cool. everything yeah. but they're one of the first people that i've encountered on social media because it does seem to be very uh polar you know very binary controversial yeah hate the religion you came from or you just love it and there's nothing in between there's no like you know yeah i i accept this but i also live i also am who i am so that's yeah that's incredible i think it's a bit of a journey to get there because i definitely hated it for a really mm -hmm. long time. And like this, I have a tattoo on my forearm, was my like gift to myself when I left the church, when I officially was like, I'm never going back. Oh. Um, I went and got myself a tattoo in a place that was not easy to hide because I was a little bit afraid that I was going to hide it from myself still. And so I was like, nope, we're going to go put it somewhere really bold. That's beautiful. And it doesn't mean anything. It's just pretty. And that's like the only, that's the only thing is I was like, I do not want to look Mormon anymore. And yeah. so that's tattoo amazing. on the forearm. That's so cool. So I'm not easily identified, although I, like, I was just telling Emerson before, like, people still pig me as something right. yeah. folksy. I mean, there's <laughs> that, like, clean-cut aspect that I feel like all of us kind of, yeah, can't you know, get away like, from it. yeah. Um, and it's funny that, that, you know, you've said a lot, like, you were a good Mormon. You are very visibly not a quote-unquote good Mormon well, It's a anymore. performance, right? Absolutely. Like, we're always performing to some degree, and I performed really, really well as Mormon. Extremely well. Yeah, I was yeah, extremely same. successful yeah. at being Mormon, which yeah. is like a weird, I feel like that's weird phrasing, but that's how I view it. It's yeah. There's so much pageantry involved oh, yeah. in being Mormon, and it's like really boring pageantry, but it exists. And <laughs> being able to show up and say the right things and cry at the right moment and... Mm -hmm. Um, oh, work yeah. hard, wear the right clothes, yes. right? Like what have the say? right goals. Yeah. And they were all goals that were defined by someone else. Um, and I, it was kind of like a, you can choose these goals or you can choose to leave and there's no real like in between right. with being Mormon. Right, yeah. I remember saying when I first started doing drag that the reason I was such a good performer was because of Christianity. I believe, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it is. My stage presence, my ability to like MC, my ability to like, perform good drag was because I was I was a good I was a good looking Christian <laughs> Hell yeah I mean performance without decoupling them mm -hmm. performance and production is mm -hmm. very close like yeah. those words are very in, inter exchangeable and so you did Mormonism very well because very it was well. very much a production yeah it, it was is. about what you produce either like emotionally as far as crying or like saying you know it's all a script. It's all a script determined yeah. by someone else. Yep. 
Um, but that, um, I just super lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> well, that happened well, to you, so it I have a thought, the- so I'll yeah, jump yeah, yeah. in. Like, the thing that's really interesting about Mormonism is I, f- I feel like, so there are several religions that have come about in America that are sort of very uli- uniquely American religions. Right. Um, Mormonism came about during a time of, um, like, a resurgence in spirituality and and belief in our country mm-hmm. and it is so uniquely american like when you really dig into especially the original tenets of the of the religion um it's it is the american dream bottled up and sold as as faith and it's it's wow. remarkable to see how this religion has followed the the character arc of the American story from the early 1800s to now, mm. and it it transitioned from this very like mystical and um, cutting edge religion, really at the time, that was challenging a lot of really common um, Christian and beliefs. Oh um, yeah, they really were like cherry picking a lot of really fascinating things from the area and um, just like what if we believed this what if we did this what if we had these rights and what if we had these traditions what if we gave women the priesthood which we'll get back to but like (laughs) um, they had all these little interesting hodgepodge of of American ideals but it really was this idea of like um, forming a relationship a personal relationship with God which was controversial at the time Um, bringing in mysticism bringing in um miracles and the like true gospel yeah like the yeah. true gospel of Jesus Christ as taught originally like there was this like need to connect back to that truth it was very really hipster at the time to be totally <laughs> honest and now we see like the church today is is a corporation and it and it behaves in an extremely capitalist way and so this concept of production yeah and performance really falls in line with the the way that we have socially constructed roles within society, the way that we engage in capitalism, the way that we produce as humans towards these um, other roles that we play in, like gender yeah. and race and socioeconomic status. And, and the church is just like really mimicked and modeled those as time has gone on, which is a whole other conversation, but yeah. I think it's really fascinating. Oh yeah, I, 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 so 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 in, I'm guessing digging super deep into the history of the church was part yeah. of your coming out story. It was. It had to be. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. Um, you'll probably commonly hear from a lot of ex Mormons. I'm sure you went through a similar period. I actually didn't. Really? No, I I fell away because of Prop Eight. And I didn't need any other reason other than what they were currently doing to leave. And and so later on, like, as I was really leaving, I started learning about, like, because all of these stories that we were told of, you know, um, why people of color weren't allowed, quote, allowed (sighs) to get the priesthood until the right time. Okay, that's a story, sure. But the actual story had a lot to do with racism. It and had so everything like to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so like these stories that we were told and didn't question, I then started under like um naturally finding out the truth mm-hmm. of these stories. Like the reason that Joseph Smith was so 
like sought after was because he was running for president. Yeah. And that is why he was so persecuted and ultimately assassinated because nobody felt comfortable, you know, right. like not when well, he's not also okay. sleeping with 14 year old girls. Right. So like <laughs> there is a lot of reason and yeah. I'm not saying violence is the right answer in any way, shape or form. But but like learning all of these things. Yeah, I learned them after I came out. So I think that's I think that is the point that I think is the most common where because it is a cult. Yes. Um, <laughs> Fact. <laughs> it, it, it is a cult because it um, dictates how you think, how you act, how you relate, and how you exist. Like how you picture yourself in existence. And um, it has very st- strict guidelines of how to behave within that even. Like it's a very, as the Mormons like to say, a very straight and narrow path, right? Like right. it is extremely very straight and also narrow. So narrow. <laughs> And within their own little, like, differences, like yeah. men and women, like, yes, there are, a, like, flexibility, but n- not within those, like, yeah. roles, you know. And you bump up against those walls even a little bit, and, and it's pretty forceful yeah. the way that they'll shove you right back to the middle um, unless until you step over the line. And then there's also a little period of force. Um, and, and then once you stray a little bit too long, they're like, oh, they're just, they're lost. How sad. Yeah. Satan got a hold of them too yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because of, because of that, like, rigid structure, um, uh, really of how you identify, how you define your own identity, um, I feel like there is a period of time that you have to go through where you have to see it crumble in your own mind to be able to really begin building your own identity. Um, I mean, yeah. Because it's so intrinsically tied. Yeah. Your identity with the church, so intrinsically tied together. Well, and if if we're told that it is the one true thing, if there is any amount of truth to that statement, then like there is that fear again that you're making the wrong decision. And so if like there has to be zero doubt that it is a cult that what they are saying has zero interest in your in your best like authentic true life and the quality of that and so like yeah that in order to get to that point of like absolutely not there has to be so much shit on top of that shelf for it to break like oh yeah oh the broken shelf yeah yeah i haven't heard that in a minute yeah (laughs) apparently it's a mormon specific phrase it's a mormon specific phrase sort of describing the experience of um you're doing great i could jump somewhere with that i'm gonna wait for a second it's describing the experience of of like realizing that the church isn't true so when you're, uh, it's really describing cognitive dissonance. So you would come against something like uh, the the church's history with um, blacks in the priesthood, black men specifically in the priesthood. Um, the church will, you'll be like, whoa, wait a minute. Our church didn't give black men the priesthood. That seems really messed up. Um, and then the church will either give you an explanation and you'll be satisfied with the explanation or it's too scary to look at because if you look at it too critically, then everything else comes in question. And so instead of looking at it, you put it up on your shelf. Wow. And then okay. another thing comes along and you say, ooh, that's uncomfortable. Uh, polygamy, for instance. Like there's, uh, there's like the top 10. Yeah. yeah. Polygamy is the top 10. 
Ooh. Do I want to look at that? <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable. Put it on the shelf. Eventually, something. There's Queerness. one thing. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Something will come along. You put it on the shelf, and it breaks the shelf. And that's that point of like okay. I can no longer not look at this anymore. Every and then everything is on the floor, and you look at all of it at once. That is an incredible analogy. See, and I thought that the meaning was like you do all this research, and so you have all of these books. It's ultimately the same meaning, but sure. you have like a physical shelf, and you have all of these books lined up on it of like the research books that you've done into yeah. the church. And then finally, you set the last one up there, and you can no longer hold any information about the church. Yeah, I think that's anymore. very similar. Yeah. So like it's for you, Prop Eight was what broke your shelf. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. Um, what what I was being told, and this was from the assumption that church and state were separate because that's what we were told in school, right? And so in church, I was being told to to vote a specific yeah. way. And that was really hard for like that, I think, being told how to vote on on issues of man, yeah, that was when I was like, oh, well, but, but they're just trying to love. So love led me out of the church is a phrase that, that comes that. up a lot. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and that was ultimately what it was. Because yeah. I didn't understand that there were queer people that still believed in Mormonism, but they weren't allowed to go to the highest level of heaven. But then what about me? So like, yeah. and, th- and then I started questioning my sexuality and, and I... I didn't have any understanding that those messages were so deep in my body. Right. And so that that was like running away, not looking at any of it, yeah. not processing any of it. Yeah. So it broke in a funny way um, and maybe like slowly over time. But yeah, yeah Prop 8 was the big like catalyst. I, I didn't graduate from seminary. Like I was in high school when I started like really digging in my heels and... Prop 8 was my first thing to go on the shelf. Okay. That was wow. the beginning. That was the first question I ever had. And it's it freaked me out because until then I was just like Mormon girl. Like I gung ho. No I was question. so into it. I yeah. was I was like, well, I mean, like I've said, I, I'm I'm a seventh generation Mormon. So and that's on all sides of my family. Like my family yeah. goes all the way back to wow. the very beginning of the church. Wow. Um, who are you? Who are you related to? Okay, so the big, <laughs> the big name um, for the Exmos out there is Anton Call, um, who he was a polygamist. So there's a there's a fair handful of us Mormons that are related to him. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because I can't remember exactly how many wives he had, but he had many. I am related through the second wife. Um, which, like, funny side story, I was dating a guy in uh, college. I went to BYU-Idaho um, for a time, didn't graduate from there, but we were uh, dating. He was a Happy Valley uh, Utah Mormon, so he was from, like, the Provo area. Okay. And uh, brought me down to meet his family because it was getting serious. Wow, that's a big <laughs> milestone. That's a big milestone. <laughs> and his dad, like, dead ass. I've, I've not been there an hour. He pulls out the, the giant family, like, tome of uh, family history and says, what are the Mormon names? What oh are the family God. names in your family? And I was like, I don't, I mean, I'm 18. I'm not really sure. Like, Smith, that was my maiden name, Smith, but not related to Joseph Smith. I knew that. Um, I just started, like, going down the list. Uh, Benson, uh, Call, and he goes, Call? 
Like as an Anson call? And I was like, yeah, I think so, because there's a statue of Anson call in Salt Lake City that my family loved to go visit. Makes sense. Because he looks just like my grandpa, which is weird. Okay. Um, but he was like, Anson call, that's interesting. Do you know which wife? And I was like, oh, this is getting weird. And I was like, I think the second wife. And he gave me a look. And I didn't understand why the look was a thing until I talked to my dad about it afterwards. But... Um, my boyfriend's family was also related to Anson Call through a different wife. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my so we were distantly related through polygamy. Oh and God. I came to find out afterwards that um, uh, Mariah, who the wife uh, my family comes from, was wow. hated. She, None of the other wives liked her. I am convinced that she was queer. I don't have a lot of evidence, but like just wow. the, the little bit of evidence that I do have. She was uh, she was a bit wild. She was I mean, kind of a cowgirl. queerness, it could be any flavor of that, and yeah. they were excluded, you know? But all the other wives hated her. Right. And so, mm. weirdly, still, to this, like, whatever sixth, seventh generation we are now, when I say I'm related to Mariah Call, I will still get a reaction from certain Utah Mormon families. Wow. <laughs> that is incredible. Oh, you're from that wife. That is incredible. <laughs> That that is blowing my mind right now. That's that's some like deep Mormon shit. That oh, like in. based on your genet. Ooh, wow, wow. Right. That's some discrimination. I know. There's like, a story wow. of her fording like on the trek west. Yeah. When they're moving to Utah, there's a story of her driving a wagon by herself, and it was almost swept down a river, and she like hopped down from from the top and was like standing on. The, the tongue that attached to the oxen and like single-handedly wrangled this wagon across the river and everyone was like, who is this man lady? Like they had such a problem with her. <laughs> I need to look up the journals because oh she's kind of a badass God. and I kind of love her for it. Yeah, that she's is an awesome. incredible story. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is, okay, something else to reclaim from Mormonism. The family history, that is incredible that you have such a, a, a like an access to that genetic history yeah i avoided it for a really long time again I'm sure. like i left the church was like no 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 i will never utter the name mormon again um but yeah it's been interesting coming back around to it and getting curious again and wondering what those early stories were and yeah. especially the unspoken stories because there are so many in mormonism yes um specifically like the women um and and really like trying to find the little bits and pieces of their voices um to get an idea of like why 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 did they join the church what did they think about it how did yeah. they feel about polygamy for instance how do they feel about moving to utah which was such a wild thing yeah um to experience i'm sure did you do the trek oh yeah ah. How, just once? Yes, okay. only once. It okay, was cool. traumatic. What's, what's yeah. the trek? Okay, so the trek is ultimately, it's youth, like 12 to... Yes, 12 to 18. Yeah, um, and it's it's a an experience of being a pioneer. Oh, is you that the... the it's cosplay. Is that the, um, is that the uh, mission trips? No, that's separate. No, that's so this. It's like a summer camp. It's like a weekend to a week long, really like cosplay reenactment. 
So wow. you dress up as pioneers. And we get, made our own clothing. You make your own clothing. You're what? not even allowed to bring deodorant, which is gross and rude <laughs> for teenagers. Listen, there's some progress that should just be recognized across the board. <laughs> Were you allowed to wear your underwear? Or did you have to stick with the bloomers? I had only? to stick with bloomers. Only? And I got in trouble about my dress because apparently it was scandalous and I didn't know. But <laughs> it was like a little bit too low. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. See, I... And this is like, okay, this is like the kind of Mormon experience, yeah. like random crapshoot, because I was allowed to wear my actual underwear. Nice. And I have heard horror stories of people that yeah. have had, to, like, I don't know. That's uh, absurd yeah. to me. <laughs> well, I found out later that my, my the boys could wear their normal everything, but the girls were like, no, bloomers. Period. Which are like, it's nothing. It, you might as well be wearing shorts with no underwear. And if you have a vulva, I, I am more comfortable with just a little more like keeping it together. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds miserable, honestly. It like, was awful. That, yeah. Listen, so, sorry. We, so we got put into families and we had our little hands card that we had to pull. And we had a Emerson. Oh. <laughs> trigger. Tell me safe word. <laughs> no, you need no, me to no. stop, please. I've got, so, I've got my hand on the butt. We can start a song anytime we need to. <laughs> I've, got, I've got my little bonnet. We got. Did you get flower no. sack babies? Yeah, that's what no. I was laughing about. I was okay. I was the one you that was LARPing. like you were <laughs> attached to this fucking LARPing flower <laughs> baby because did yours die? No, ours died. No, I cared for that thing, so it lived. Who decides that a flower, the sack flower baby dies? Oh, it's all so if it, so we had this like ten pound sack of flower that we had to dress up and name, right? And then we're like, everyone had to care for this little flower sack, and ours got a hole in it. And then legit, oh we had to have a funeral service for the f- for this flower sack baby. Okay, think in the Oregon wilderness. Trail in real life. Literally Oregon Trail. We were sobbing, just, all of us. It was traumatizing. That was gonna say, that's just trauma. That's yeah. just tra- that's just trauma. There's no like benefit. And from, they're telling us stories of like your pioneer grandmothers gave birth in the middle of the night and then got up the next morning and and walked the next day with their brand new babies and the babies would die and they would have to bury them on the trail and just keep going because they believed in God so much and aren't we grateful for their for their strength and the heritage of that strength that you now get to have in your veins like remember the pioneers if they could do it you could do it like my family has this common phrase where they say um, oh she's a real plow pulling woman as like oh a girl who will just ox. get up yeah that's ultimately wow. plow pulling woman wow that's that's just, okay but to reclaim that like yeah. i am a goddamn plow pulling woman <laughs> i mean it sounds you know? really butch to me so for yeah. sure <laughs> i'm like into that now yeah. like <laughs> is that is that what dykes are on bikes are <laughs> back then like that's the, that's I'll the take old, it. The older version of saying dykes on bikes is Hell a plow yeah. pulling woman. <laughs> that needs to go on your Tinder profile. <laughs> Only looking for plow pulling women. <laughs> that's going on merch ideas. <laughs> and you I got embroidered seeking. on my strap. Yeah, I'm gonna get that. I want to get that. I want to get that tattooed right across my shoulder blades, so that I can just wear strapless things when I'm doing drag, and it says plow pulling woman. <laughs> 
Oh, so that's good. amazing. <laughs> I not to not to let the uh, wait. I lost my train of thought. I was gonna say something. I was gonna ask a question. Shit. Shit. Oh, was it about the? Okay. Um, my I don't know if this is just like because I'm I can I'm capable of critical thinking apparently, or it's because I'm well like, done. Um, or it's because like my neurodivergence like kind of benefiting me, mm. but that like this like we didn't do anything like like the, specifically like that we didn't have a trek but it was all we, but we did have the like like this person you know gave their life you know they worked day you know like i heard stories of my some relative like giving birth out in the field wrapping up her baby and then continuing to yeah. work and people dying while building churches and doing all this stuff that like not not community stuff not like they gave their life to feed more people it was just like right they whatever whatever the sacrifice was they died was just, doing something helping the community it wasn't even community it was just church stuff oh, okay. like they were okay. just like just mm. like they just, just because they believed just because they believed there Filled was with no, so much faith yeah exactly yeah. Okay. and i just all remember right. going i don't understand how that i don't how does that that doesn't make sense to me that yeah. doesn't benefit anyone like like that okay that's cool they they did these things they destroyed their bodies or destroyed their minds they ignored yeah. their they ignored health they um apparently in their service to god god required literally their life for no explicable reason right. i don't understand how that benefits anyone and i just could never com- i could it never i could never compute how fasting fasting is a great example mm-hmm. i'm i i don't feel like i'm kind of like narrowing my thoughts down to something but fasting mm-hmm. is a really good example I never understood the concept of fasting because it was never attached to anything it was just if you don't eat for 24 hours God will do something God will listen to you more I, I, I will tell I have, I've thought about this a lot because w- fasting was a big thing yeah. there too really um, oh yeah once a month at least minimum yeah How for how long 24 hours. 24 hours was always the minimum. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I remember hearing stories of people going two, three days without food and yeah. bragging about it. My uncle See, bragged. well, and, and, okay, so, like, but that's, that's the thing. Like, if you, if you are suffering, good job. Yes. Good for you. That is a big, big message. If you are suffering, that means that your blessings will be even better. Yes. Number one. Number two, I think that they encourage fasting because... When you don't eat for a long period of time, your brain goes into an expanded state of consciousness. It is more malleable. And so therefore, it's easier to, if you're hallucinating from lack of food, to say that that's the spirit speaking to you. You know what I mean? You also don't have the energy to resist. It's kind of how I felt. And I think it's important to note that like fasting as a spiritual practice is really old. And for that's, sure. yes, that's, that's, that's true. been around for a really long time. And I think there's probably some benefit to it. But when, again, when you're being told to do it, that, mm-hmm. um, when it's re- reinforced on a schedule, like with Mormons, it was always the first Sunday of the month. Um, okay, right. When it's, I, I think when it's packaged as an exchange, so my my hunger and self-harm in exchange for greater blessings is a really weird and twisted way to to put that but like if you're doing it as a way to connect with your own spirituality connect with with something outside of yourself and you're choosing it like go for it yeah totally that sounds amazing yeah yeah but for me i was like 11 Right. Yeah. And there was, and it was just like we had sign-up sheets. That we had a time once a year. We had this at the end of the year across the like from like 
whatever the day the first of the year came on, so that Monday to that Friday, we tried to do, um, we had like a sign-up sheet for an entire week where somebody was praying at every single hour of the day mm. for an entire solid week. And we'd have sign-up sheets for fasting and prayer. And we're talking, I went, and, and it was like encouraged, yeah. like strongly encouraged. It was fine if you didn't, but you really should. There was a room up in the, at the like upstairs in our church that was all set up with carpet and chairs and, and an Comfy. altar and, and music and lights and candles. And you would go in there and you would spend your hour, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, work 24 hours a day. And it was encouraged to fast during that time too. And so you would like, like oh sign God. up sheets. I was 10, 11, 12 years old or we were something. And I just starving myself for 24 hours not even understanding what the concept was but mm. it was just like that's the kind of stuff that like my brain could never reconcile yeah. how it benefited anything you know I feel like there's a lot less privacy in your experience like with like that kind of shit happened but it was between a bishop or like not so public you know like that sort of mm. there were moments of public aspects yeah but like for yeah the and that was I think that really was part of Mormonism coming out of that like second enlightenment period where you're you're defining your relationship to God as something deeply personal and internal. Mm-hmm. So at that point, re- religion had a shift where you didn't need a, an intermediary to connect mm. you with God. Oh. You could have that direct direct connection with God. And so Mormons really like, latched onto that they really like that idea that Mm. you know there's the still small voice the holy ghost like it communicates messages from god to you and that's like a direct connection so there's a lot of privacy within the spirituality as more as a mormon but then there's also like the public pageantry of like fast and testimony meeting which would go with fasting you would have if you know the spirit moved you you Mm -hmm. would go up to the podium Mm -hmm. and share your testimony of what you believe to be true Mm Um, very different meaning. Very different meaning. <laughs> what testimonies? If the spirit moved you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Pentecostal. If the spirit moved you. Oh, yeah. You, no, were, it's very different. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, this is like. It's very quiet. <laughs> see, see, a, yeah. It comes from Protestant background. So it's like. Yeah. Very like you're you you've got it. You keep it together at all times for sure. Unless you like some very like tasteful tears. Tasteful tears. Oh, yeah. that but needs to be the name subdued. of your autobiography. <laughs> 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 tasteful tears. That's a good band name. But yeah, very like um very timely, you know, like yeah. and, and all very scripted, you know. As mm-hmm. the thing that bothers me most is when like two or three, you know, like young, young children wanna go up there and it's their parent whispering the same rhetoric. And it's just them regurgitating. Like, but that's... Cute little voices. They're so cute. They're so cute. They're so cute. (laughs) They'd be cuter if they had their own words. But... (laughs) But yeah, so that like... um, And I do want to throw out there that there is health benefits in fasting. There is a lot of like really good things. but, But the element that's specific here is that it wasn't by choice. It wasn't autonomous. And as a fucking youth, like, stop it. Yeah, for me, it was more that that was an example of something that I was doing that had very real physical effects, but very little explanation as to what the spiritual benefits were, or just I wasn't old enough to understand what benefits it would be. And and that that, that was just an issue. I had a lot of just, I just couldn't reconcile those things. Just Mm -hmm. doesn't make, just didn't make sense to me, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't mean to derail derail <laughs> that, but it was just. A, a no, it's a, I, I mean, it, it has really, it has very real. Um, it, there's a very real byproduct to that yeah. way of practicing religion, though, which tends to be people who will um, overlook health and and mental health needs because oh, they're not doing enough. Yep. Like they need to, they actually need to do more first before seeking help. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. A constant anxiety that, like. I mean, I know within the church, it was always sort of the first question was like, well, have you been praying and reading your scriptures? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, if you had a problem, any pro- it doesn't matter what the problem was. Well, have you been praying? Have you tried fasting? Yeah. 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 Have you read like, the scriptures? You're like, yeah. Hey, How many minutes a day yes. no, are you yeah. reading the scriptures? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Having joint pain and they'd be like, how are your devotions going? Like, yeah. It's very similar. I have arthritis. You know, <laughs> I can't <laughs> kneel to pray anymore. Yeah. Y'all like, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, but, yeah. um, Hello, all you you beautiful people. Okay, so we're just going to keep right on going. (laughs) Jump right in. (laughs) Um, So I, as we were coming to, I was saying, ultimately what happens is that the religions tap into our intuition and kind of hijack our intuition, telling us that this feeling is actually the church. And in a lot of ways because of that when we later feel our intuition we associate it with the church and then run away from our intuition and so this might be kind of getting into what you're working on of like acknowledging when it is our intuition sure and going back to the points of like when did i learn that the intuition isn't is when did i learn that my intuition is untrustworthy Mm. and how do i get back to finding trust in that inner voice because we all have it like you were saying you know these any arguably anyone is able to tap into the collective unconscious the the spiritual like knowing information that you shouldn't know that is just like tapping into the universe whatever you want to call it anyone is capable of that but um how how do we go about doing it in an authentic and like not manipulative fucked up way <laughs> sure yeah i mean i think the first thing that comes to my mind is that that's a that's a byproduct of gaslighting mm-hmm. um when we've been made to believe that our perception of ourselves and reality is um fallible or incorrect um and mm. that someone else has the answer that they there's another authority that actually sees reality more clearly than we do and so we need to return to that source of authority routinely to get a check-in about what is actually up. Yeah. Um, and that we ourselves are incapable of having clarity about what reality is, right? And so I think you can see that in abusive relationships. You can see that in religion where um, gaslighting exists. It really any, I mean, <laughs> our own government, like... Truly, ga- it's all over. Where gaslighting is, you will see the byproduct of people not being able to claim authority of their own perception of reality. And that absolutely is connected to... Um, not only what we're perceiving outside of ourselves, but what we're perceiving within ourselves. Yes. And that's, I think, part of the main journey out of religion is that tipping point of being able to say, actually, I'm the authority here. Uh, um, and I, I get to say what this means. 
And I get to name what, what this feeling is or what this perception is or what these goosebumps mean or whatever. And you're right. I think religion really does take advantage of really the creativity of humans yeah. um, to be able to do this exceptionally beautiful thing that humans are capable of, which is assigning meaning to the world mm-hmm. and ourselves. Yeah. Um, and they say, oh, see that? That's God. <laughs> like, oh, see oh, that? Yeah. That's Jesus. Oh, see that? That's that's the Holy Ghost. That's, oh, you're feeling the spirit. What that is, you're feeling the spirit. And you're like, actually, that was just really beautiful music. I don't know what you're yeah, talking right. about, right? Like, we have to go through this detoxing period where we know <laughs> it's like we have to break up with with God, but not necessarily even the belief of God, just like the reliance on authority and become our own authorities. Yeah. And so we, we were talking about um, priesthood blessings as a thing within the Mormon church. Um, and it, essentially, like, there's a lot of different contexts in which someone would get a priesthood blessing. But essentially, a, a man who holds a worthy man who holds the priesthood has to be a man, has to be worthy, has to have the priesthood. Those are three key things. Um, puts his hands on your head and reads the air. Like, gets messages from God, right? Like, that's that's the story. Like, God speaks to him, and he is a mouthpiece for God and verbalizes a message that God wants you to hear, Um, which for me, I think, was one of the hardest things in actually leaving the church because I had a really, really, really close relationship to priesthood blessings. They were a big part of my spirituality. Um, I had several experiences that were incredibly moving and to to walk away from that like yeah you know like i yeah i don't know about this mormon business but this one time this one dude who doesn't know me in my life said this one thing that was a hundred percent true and he shouldn't have known it yeah and so that kept reinforcing this idea that that was god but really like we're humans who are communicating in complex ways that we don't even understand. Yeah. That ability has existed since humans began telling stories about our connections with each other. Uh, um, the church is not like they didn't make it up. Yeah. God yeah. didn't even make it up. Like yeah. we connect and we are empathetic and we are intuitive. Um, I. It, I still, I honestly still believe that those moments were intuitive moments, that the, mm-hmm. the things that I was hearing were like, that man was connected to my subconscious in some way just by being a human to human connection. Yeah. Um, but God doesn't get to claim it. Like, yeah. that's, it's not yeah. Mormon. Like, yeah. that's not intrinsically Mormon because the beautiful thing is, is I've had other experiences through other mediums that have had the, sim- the same flavor of um, meaning and intuition and insight in my life. We were talking about tarot. Mm -hmm. Astrology. We were talking about astrology. I practice astrology. That It took me a really long time to be able to say out loud that I'm a professional astrologer because it felt wrong and evil and silly and all these other things Um, because God is supposed to be the authority on all insight, right? But, like, the reality is is that when it when it comes like we all have that ability we all have that ability to connect yes um yes have either one of you seen the movie captain marvel yes yeah 
So it, when I that that movie, what <clears throat> I really related to it with, uh, for the, and it reminds me of what you were describing about how a lot of times for me it was Christianity. They would take things that happen or that humans that are that are you know doing incredible things and then name it God. So mm. it wasn't that they were that to me that's the thing that was so deeply traumatic mm-hmm. for me was was um, like. Like I like the example I used was that you know we didn't grow up to believe that being gay was wrong. We grew up to believe that it wasn't real, you know. Right. So it was just like, oh, if you get saved, it goes away. And that moment of where like she, the power was in her, and then when they realized how powerful she was, they put that thing on her neck to control the power, and then convinced her that the power was coming from them. And I was like, that's exactly what my church did. And that's mm-hmm. why I have a hard time believing in myself is is not because it's not there or I don't think I'm capable. It's that because I, I'm still deconstructing the idea that that power is coming from a you know a cord that's connected to God. Yeah. And that 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 really if I want the full freedom, I have to I have to relinquish that belief that it goes back to God and that it's coming from God. And that's why I can't do it anymore. I don't believe that. But that's what was so deeply entrenched mm. into my yeah. brain then that's a hard one to undo and I had a similar experience with like with tarot that even though I use it and it's something that's been very valuable to me and it's helped me a lot I have a hard time saying it admitting it yeah you know being you know offering it interacting with other people with it because of that that I always feel like it's either fake yeah or it's bad I don't believe it, either one of those things, but you know, it's not fake or bad, but right. Or it smells too much like belief, or right? Like, or it looks like Jesus, yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> which is triggering. Like this, yes, yeah. it's very triggering. It's like that. That like the only times I ever experienced these moments was when I was in church, or you know, yeah. in, you know, with God. I, I think I've talked about how one of the things I had a really hard time reconciling was like you know moves of the spirit. Uh-huh. You know when when prophecies Mm -hmm. you know we had we did the speaking in tongues there was people that would you know be the voice for god and speak out in tongues and those movements of the spirit and people were dancing and and it was like that was a real feeling that was a real environment it was a real experience and i had a i still have a hard time reconciling that with yeah with god religion and you know all those things you know it's not mutually exclusive right like those those feelings um don't belong to religion exclusively they can you can have those moments in religion you can have them outside of religion um but you're having them because you're human not because you're christian or religious and like i had so when i was leaving the church i was um so to be a good mormon to like circle back around to what that means the straight and narrow path (laughs) i walked it so well um (laughs) I I was the poster child. I was so good at it. I was so good at being Mormon, and it felt really good. And I have a Leo rising, so, like, being recognized in my performance of doing well, I was like, yes, give me more. <laughs> tell me. I'll stay forever. Just tell me what a great job I'm doing. I'm, I am so good. You're right. Um, I performed really, really well with more. And it was more than performance. I really believed it. And um, so, you know, to to be a good Mormon girl, especially in the time that I was growing up, things have changed now, which, like, thank God, but, like, still not great. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was, you know, be be a good girl, be virtuous. Fair. Be, it's a good yeah, word that was thrown soft-spoken, around. Soft-spoken, no loud laughter, oh evil God, speaking oh, of wow. the Lord's anointing, all of those things, right? Like, yeah. be good. 
step one. Um, and then you have to, like, follow the tasks. So the tasks were um, either go on a mission or don't go on a mission. As a girl, it was optional. Um, you really should be getting married. That was that That's, was the, like, you can go on a mission, but really yeah, you should be a mother. Really you should be getting married. Yeah. And then having children. Yeah. A lot of children. All of and them. And they don't really, I mean, they're, like, coy, right? So it's, it's like, yes, have, have children because there's this whole thing in Mormon religion that you are literally providing bodies, your factory, for God's, like, spirit children. Yeah. There are spirit children in heaven waiting to come to earth. Wow. Um, your greatest good, the greatest good you can ever achieve as a Mormon woman is to provide bodies for God's spirit children. Um, and so, you know, like you can have one and that's good. <laughs> but like think of all the, the spirit children who are waiting. When you could um, be doing so much more. You could be doing so much one. more. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean. And like how much better would it be for those spirit children to come into good believing Mormon families than into some other family oh. that's like you know, doesn't understand what religion is. <laughs> like, I mean, these babies would have the truth. The the phrase, go forth and populate the earth, which is a very uh, biblical, <laughs> like, that's yeah, a, exactly. <laughs> that was a yeah. big, that was a big, that was a big yeah. motivator too. So be a good girl, go on a mission or don't, get married, have babies, and then literally endure to the end is like the next oh. thing. So you got to like, you got to go to, you got to get your living ordinances. So that's living baptism. Ordinances. Listen, I'll tell you, oh. baptism, going to the temple and then endure to the end is the next task on 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 the the mormon train of the straight narrow path so i did that very good mormon girl i was more spicy than i thought really like in hindsight um which makes me feel better now i'm like oh actually i was a little like feminist um uh but then i did the thing i got married when i was 20 um, I, I met Which my... Which is old for Mormons. Is old for Mormons. 20 is old. 20 is old? Mm -hmm. At that point, yeah. I, it, was, I was like, it, it was acceptable. I was within okay. acceptable range. Okay. But is it but, supposed to be like, like, if you get married at 18, you're like... That's like a little too young. Like 19 to 21 is 18, ideal. 20's too old, too old and 18's too young? That's not a very big window. <laughs> Brigham Young said that if you are single and 25, you are a menace to society. Um, so... Well, I am, and I, I am, I am, I am the, the harbinger of the apocalypse. Yes, you are. are. <laughs> capital T, capital M, the menace to society. I am not A, I am the menace. Yeah, so. And, and mine was like, you need to get married by 18. Really, that's a, that's a good time. Like, once you're of oh, legal yeah. age, you should. Wow. It, it was, get on with it. Yeah. Might yeah. as well. The sooner the yep. better, because your biological clock yeah. and all of that. So like I was, I was 20. I met my, um. My partner at the time, my ex-husband, um, when I was 20, we were engaged for, well, we knew each other for 10 days before we got engaged. We were engaged for four months. 10 days. Ooh. Um, I thought I thought mine was, was impressive. That's that was good. fat. So that was, it was acceptable, but fast for Mormons, but yes. still acceptable. Yes. A little fast, but 10 acceptable. 10 days is acceptable? Yes. Uh, Six months is like. You know, if Jesus says it's a good idea. Who are we to question? Yeah, nobody's going <laughs> to argue with that. Why postpone God's plan? <laughs> yeah, really. you're going to get married to him anyway, so you might as well do it now. Got married four months later, was pregnant four months after that with my first child. Um, and oh had gone through the temple already by the time I was 20, right? So I had done the things. There's the checklist. Like, yep. be a good girl, get married, do your living ordinances, endure to the end. I was on to endure to the end by the time I was 21. So you just had the rest of your life to wait. You've done all the things. 
I had achieved hurry up celestial four-year-old person. As, as long as I didn't sin or fall away and like kept trying every day to be perfect, which is another like really fucked up part of Mormonism. Um, you know, you'll never be perfect, but yeah. you should be trying to be perfect every day. Yeah. So as long as I was doing that, that's the endure to the end part. Um, I I was on it. I was on the trail uh, to heaven. Wow, that is just. I'm baffled. I'm I have like so many questions for you. Yeah, <laughs> I know this is we're, we've got we've got about seven more podcasts we need to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> that okay, is, that's intense. Quick questions. Yeah. What are living ordinances? Because sure. that is like, that makes my eye twitch a little bit. Yeah. But I'm not, I didn't go through the temple. I didn't go on a mission. Um, so like what? Yeah. So the living ordinances are, um, they're considered like rights and um, covenants that you need to make with God. So it's a contract essentially that you make between yourself and God through the priesthood that you have to do in order to be able to live in the highest degree of glory in heaven, which right. like Mormon heaven has uh, uh, different degrees. Like it, there's a hierarchy. Yeah. Um, it's like what Disney plus is doing. Just like imagine for heaven. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you pay in what you get out, you know? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> those, plus, but for heaven. those include getting <laughs> baptized at eight years old. You can get baptized at any time, but if you're born into the church, you get baptized at eight, you receive the, the Holy ghost. Those come together. Those are two separate ordinances. Oh, so you get the Holy Ghost when you get baptized? Yes. You have to work a lot harder for that. And then, I know. I'm like, this is all shaking I know. the cobwebs. And then when you go to the temple, um, you typically, it again, it depended on your gender. A lot of things really depended on your gender within the church. Um, there were ordinances within the temple that you had to do. And the, and the temple is, is different than normal church. It's... Um, you have to go through like worthiness interviews to be allowed to go there. You have to pay tithing consistently to be allowed to go in. Um, you have to have a steady and consistent attendance at church to be allowed to go in. So there's like things you have to do to go to the temple and you get a recommend. Um, you have to wear special clothes in the temple. And then you would go there and there, let's see if I can remember all of them. You'd be washed and anointed was the first one. It was very like Old Testament. And actually kind of the cool, the cooler one, because the women, so because I was like born female, uh, the women in the church um, administered that one. So okay. like that was gendered separate, which was really cool, honestly. That like, sounds and a bit really radical. Cool. So, so it didn't matter the person that was getting washed and anointed. The women did that. No, so the women would wash and anoint the women. The men oh, would wash it, and anoint it, the it, men. It. So that part was separated. So you'd do the washing and anointing, and then you would go to another room and do your endowment right. um, session. That was the longer one. Um, that was elaborate. And um, you can watch it online uh, if you're really curious. I can't. <laughs> really? I can't. Yes. Not yet. I, I understand. But <laughs> so it, within the endowment session, you make several uh, covenants with God. Um, you, uh, I guess just before then, you receive a new name. That's another ordinance. Right. So you're yeah. watching an anointing, receive a new name. Then you What's go to the endowment. Um, what is my name? Yeah. Abigail. Abigail. Okay. Good job remembering. This is... It, it's. Is it just? I'm not supposed to, to tell anybody, guys. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a, a secret. Yeah, no one's listening. It's just a podcast. Um, this is just any of this kind of sound like the the, the trans experience. <laughs> you, go, you change your clothes. You change your name. You, <laughs> you're purified. You sign you're some cleansed. paperwork. You make a covenant uh, with the state so that they'll. 
insult that they'll uh, validate Acknowledge you. you as the I, love the re- I love the reclaiming that's happening with this story because it's actually weird as fuck. It's, it, I've, yeah. I've said this before. I say this often on the podcast that like with my experience, I'm usually I'm speaking about mine, but if you remove the Jesus aspect mm. of a lot of the shit that, that we did, it's closer to mental illness or like abuse than oh, it is totally. any kind of religion. Like as soon yeah. you know, it's like, oh that well that person's fucked up. Oh no, they did it for Jesus. Oh well good for them. Like it's just right. that the title Jesus makes everything okay. Oh, but it's hundred percent an abusive relationship. Yeah. It is. There yeah. was a I don't want to derail what you were saying. I just yeah. this had this memory of like when we were teenagers, we would do this purity covenant basically. And it was we would all the teenagers under a certain age would literally light candles we turn off all the, mm. the lights on the church. There was a fucking contract that you signed mm-hmm. that said you wouldn't go to the movies, you wouldn't have sex, you wouldn't do it. Like, uh, there was a, I'm not joking, wow. like a list of things that anything from, like I said, going to the movies to not having yeah. sex before you got married. And then you would light all the candles and you would sign this covenant. I'm like, that's a fucking Ooh. cult. You the were, ceremony. It yeah. was a ceremony. Yeah. Like, you take Jesus out of that, and that would have been like a. You know, that would have been a, a fucking like Satanism. Yes, or, you Satanism. Know, exactly. The worst case scenario, I don't think Satanism is. Satanism from the perspective of Christianity. Yes, it's yes. Red <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Not actual Satanism, which is really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. pretty awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it just reminded me of that like ritual yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, the ritual was, and it was really weird. And they don't, you're not allowed to talk about it. This is another thing. You're not allowed to talk oh. about You know the names. Like I knew the names of the covenants, um, but I didn't know what it was going to be until I got there because you're not allowed to talk about it outside of the temple. Um, and so you're just kind of thrown in and they're like, it's weird. And it's very different than anything else um, that you see at regular like Sunday services. Um, it's It feels really culty and, and creepy. Yeah. Um, you wore the, the special... I wore the robes. You did the handshakes. Yep. You get your garments before then. So that's like the, was, the magic Mormon underwear. Was this the... <laughs> Magic Mormon underwear. Now that should be the title of your autobiography. That's a man name. Yeah. <laughs> Tasteful tears and magic Mormon underwear. Um, was this a one-time thing, and then you were in, or was this like a, instead of church service, you did this? So oh. it was in addition to church service. You have to go through and do these ordinances for yourself to be okay. allowed into heaven. Um, oh. After that, Mormons believe that everyone has to make these covenants with God to be allowed into heaven. And so Mormons are very kind and industrious. And so what they do is they do the, those ordinances by proxy for people who have died. And then in heaven, they get to choose whether or not they accept the ordinances or not. That's the theology. So they, they put people in the Mormon religion that can't consent to it because yes. they're not alive. Yep. Yes. That's baptisms for the dead. I do yeah. that. So youth would go and do baptisms for the dead. And then once you're an adult and you've gone through the temple yourself, you were expected to go routinely um, to to perform those ordinances for people who had died. And so it would be like the language was was always like um, you're you're agreeing to this for and in behalf of and then they would say the person's name i know like trigger who was dead uh, <laughs> who was dead just, yeah just, i mean at least in <laughs> at least in our church if they died it was just a we just convinced ourselves that they asked for forgiveness before they died and they went to heaven that's, that's just lovely the told us. there's no oh. out in mormonism no. that's that is just like yeah. That's not even funny. That's not even, I can't even make a joke about that. It's that not is funny. deeply no, it's, offensive. It's to really me. deeply upsetting. And there, I mean, there have been groups of, of people from other religions. I remember there was a whole big um, suit that was brought against the church um, from a, a 
Jewish community where they had found out that their their families' names have been taken through the temple That's, and yeah. made Mormon, uh, which is uh, like the audacity, really. Like yes. it's astonishing, truly. Yes. The lack of but, consent. Yeah, yeah, we yes, we were we were made to do. I mean, we weren't made to do this, but it was another one of those things. Like, if are you trying to be perfect every day? Yeah. Well, someone who was trying to be perfect every day would go we'll to the temple this. at least once a month to do this work for your family, and that's why Mormons are so obsessed with family history. Okay. That's why Ancestry.com exists. Um, Ancestry.com is a Mormonism thing. Yes, it is. I did owned know by that. the church. I just I just <laughs> signed up for it for to find my history. It's the only way I've ever been able to find my history. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It is great. I mean, it was very helpful. It's a actually. great resource. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, they've they work. They put a lot of money movies. into it. Yeah. Wow, that's that's outrageous. I okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have to jump in here. I got like tangles from the language <laughs> and the baptisms for the dead. But just to like make it even worse, like I remember being baptized for names like very like Asian sounding names mm-hmm. and like. Let's talk about colonialism for a second. Oh, like these people man. that this is why it's an American religion. Oh my god. And wow. just like yeah. So baptisms for the yeah. dead are a whole thing. But yep. like to then and I forgot that they did they had us do that every month. Yep. They yeah. every month. And so to do that deep of a thing though yeah. every month like you got to be Well, and I I worked there, there cuz that's like I, li- I'm an ambitious motherfucker. Okay, so like I was really I was really performing Mormonism well and if I wasn't allowed to I or encouraged, I mean, I wanted to go to school to be a lawyer for a minute when I was in high school and the few people I shared it with told me like, "Oh, it's going to be really hard to do that as a wife and a mother." Sounds like Satan's trying to tempt you from doing your like true calling. Um, You're getting ensnared to do something. Yeah, against sounds God's really tempting. Yeah. It's really glamorous, you know. Like, who are you serving? Like, uh. the world or or heaven? You know, like. Um, so, if I wasn't allowed to go be like a civil rights attorney, which is what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. then um, by golly, I was going to kick ass as a Mormon woman, which meant getting married young. Having six children, which I didn't, thank God. I only have four. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the other two that are waiting. <laughs> yeah, in heaven. sorry guys. <laughs> Factory's closed. But I was gonna have six children. I, you know, I, I was gonna do all the things. I was gonna be. I dreamt, which is embarrassing. I dreamt of being like the General Relief Society president, which is like the Relief Society, the one that it's really the highest calling you can have as a woman within the church. Okay. Uh, a lot of times the wives of bishops were th- were in that role. No, no, no. I'm saying the oh. General Relief Society president. Oh, shit. Like the Salt Lake City. Like president for womanhood and Mormonism. I was going to, like every general conference, when she would get up to speak to the whole church membership, I was like, this is going to be me someday. Oh. I believe so hard. Wow. I was I was working hard. Okay, but like the ambition though. Like right. truly so wasted. Ah. <laughs> I, I mean that is something that that that's hitting home for me about the like the I you know feeling like you spent the for lack of better terms or cliche but like spent feeling like I spent the better best part yeah. of my years, the most energetic part of my years, especially since that like right after I came out of church was right when my chronic illness started. 
So that ambition Same. that I had with, yeah. So it's like yeah. I, all of this, I was a very, very ambitious, like very worked hard, did accomplish a lot of things, but then it was all for Jesus. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And then I worked so hard. Yeah. And then you come out of that and it's not just like reconciling that, but it's also reconciling. Like I worked, I spent years of my life accomplishing things that I could have. And then you start going through the list. I yeah. could have started this. I could have done that. I could have had this business. I could have saved these people. I could have done whatever it was that you yeah. were right. fill in the blank. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a rough one. Yeah. Yeah, it is rough. I left the church when I was 30 and yeah. right around the same time for me. But... Yeah. Coming to realize that I had just like, I had spent my twenties as like super Mormon and mm -hmm. changing a lot of diapers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and had to like all of those devo developmental milestones that people go through in their twenties. Like I just missed. I just didn't get to do them yeah. and had to like retroactively go back and, and really like, oh God, I remember like even learning, having to ask myself, like, how do, like, what color do I like? Oh yeah. Like, what are my hobbies actually? What do I enjoy doing? I don't. What do what like what did what did I what do I what do I do when I'm yeah. going to church? What I, kind of music do I like to listen to? Oh fuck yeah, absolutely. Uh, like authentic, like authentically alone outside of yep. the church. I had to. You go through, and I know you guys have gone through this too. You go through this whole process of um, that deconstruction period, and I I think it's ongoing. It's a lifelong process. It's a little bit more chill nowadays for me, but mm -hmm. you have to look at everything about your life and ask. Um, does is this me? Is this like inherently me believing this or thinking this way or feeling this way or reacting to this thing? Or is that a reaction or a feeling or a thought that was given to me? The programming. Yeah. Does that belong to the church or does that belong to me? Yeah. And and that goes all the way down to like, I, I swear to God, like the kind of toothpaste you brush your teeth with. Like yeah, it really, feels like yeah. literally every Everything. aspect of your life has to be reanalyzed and recategorized and redefined and reclaimed, which is exhausting. And it's it became like the focus of my everyday life to to like notice a reaction. Oh, I just reacted to that piece of news. Why did I react to it? What does that reaction say about the way that I'm feeling about this thing? Where does that reaction come from? Do I actually believe that? Do I actually feel that way? Um, could I feel a different way? And try on a different way and see, like, does that feel better? Does that feel more, like, native to my core self? And, and all of that is so necessary in, like, redefining and rebuilding your core identity and um, healing, really. Yeah. Yeah, this is hitting home so hard to, like, what... Because I left... Like, I have really started digesting the problematic programming mm -hmm. um, about four years ago. And so I'm... I'm it's an everyday thing. Like, yeah. I talk about my trauma every single day because mm -hmm. it is... Like, I do still get these everyday things where I don't know, like, what kind of music I like to listen yeah. to. And yeah. especially, like on on the like being born a woman mm -hmm. like also not only decoupling yourself from the church but from other people because yeah. you determined your worth and where you were based on where your husband was because right. that determined you were a mother then yep and so i'm doing all of this like deep work of 
trying to figure out who I am. And I'm single. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a parent. I mm-hmm. have a partner. Um, but I am not a parent. And, and that, like, being a parent versus a partner, there is so much more freedom. And so, like, good job doing this as a mother. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> or as a parent. Like, that sounds like a lot to hold for yourself yeah. while also holding space for other folks. Yeah. Um, but also, how has connecting to other ex-Mormons sure how has that helped in either accelerating or like I mentioned an echo chamber sometimes that's it's a hard balance to find but yeah what are what are your yeah so when I was first leaving the church I got really involved in Mormonism so uh, Mitt Romney was running for president right um the Mormon church was really trying to capitalize on all of the attention it was getting and launched a whole huge campaign um to define themselves to everyone. Um, and uh, Facebook was also kind of a big thing and blogs were kind of a big thing. Like all of this was coalescing at the same time. This is like 2013-ish, somewhere in there, right? Um, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, and... All that time is a blur for me, so I'm useless. I'm like, <laughs> I can't help Maybe them. like 2012. <laughs> no, because, okay, I graduated high school in 2012, so it was I just I guess a it started like bit. 2008 was really when this campaign started. Anyway, um, Mormon communities online became a really big thing and and Mormon mommy blogs especially. Oh my God, we had like, we held the monopoly of the blogs out there. Um, But I, several movements came out during that time. I was involved in a movement called Ordained Women, um, which was a feminist movement within the church. They were all believing Mormon women um, who were asking feminist questions from the leadership. And um, there was big online. Uh, there was a big online presence during that time. And it, like in preparing for coming and talking to y'all today, I I went back last weekend and kind of like looked through. I hadn't looked at them in years, <laughs> but like Facebook still exists, so I could go back and look at all of these groups and search for every post that I had made and wow. just like reread through those and see like what was I where like what where was I at that Ooh, point? Whoa. And this was like. Before I left the church um, to after I left the church, like that's there's this whole span from like before I even knew that I needed to ask questions to after I was like, let's burn it down. Wow. What a window. To- <laughs> wow. It's a lot. But like <laughs> reading through them, it was so interesting because these Mormon groups were really just like life saving to be perfectly honest. So the ordained women page specific, I was involved in other groups too, but the ordained women page specifically, there was a public page where people could get on and make public comments. Um, and then there was the organizers page and the, that was a private group. And it was really fascinating looking through the group and seeing that like the majority of our posts were um, reacting to news as it came out um, and and giving each other support in that, but then also really processing the feed the comments that we were getting from other people. So, for instance, like I would get a message from some random person in my life, you know, Holly, I see that you're involved in ordained women, and I just can't understand why or whatever. Mm. Someone would say something. And then I would go to this group and type in, somebody said this to me, how do I respond? And what we were really doing was helping each other deconstruct the narrative and find reality because we were all suffering uh, under the weight of cognitive dissonance and also gaslighting. And so being able to locate reality and put words to it was huge. And so like my first like 
experience with these support groups was really that, like finding language. Um, and then I moved on to this other group called um, uh, A Thoughtful Faith, which were people who were critical of the church or questioning the church, but were still actively members, mm. actively practicing. Wow. And then I moved from there to another one called Thoughtful Transitions, which was the follow-up group, <laughs> yeah. which were people who were transitioning out of the church. And it was very respectful, those groups. You had to, like, maintain a, a level of, like, decorum and respect for those who were still believing. Um, this is so cool. I didn't even know any of these existed. But yeah. that's so cool that these exist. Yeah. So I was, like, in it yeah. for a long time with these groups. And they really, they helped me find reality. And they helped me be, they justified my anger. And, yeah. like, gave, you know, you... I would see something in the news and I would respond to it. And then I would come onto these pages and I would say, hey, look at this article I found out of like the Salt Lake Trib. Um, and then they would respond in the same way. And I was like, OK, validation. Yes. Like I'm not crazy for feeling this way. Right. This is this is wrong. Yeah. So I really yeah. needed that mirror. And then um, the church came out with a handbook. Uh, previously, I just found out that they've changed this, but previously the leadership um, handbook was something that was not available to the general membership. Um, oh. Only leaders could see it. There was two separate handbooks. There was the general membership handbook and then the leadership handbook. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> and in the leadership handbook, they, they released an updated version. This was a couple years after um, Ordained Women began. The leader, Kate Kelly, had already been excommunicated at this point. Um, wow. Several months after that, they released this new handbook. And uh, a bishop, I'm not sure who, I can't remember his name, leaked it to WikiLeaks. Wow. Um, which was incredibly brave um, of him to do that. Yeah. And the language in there, it, there was some language that was incredibly damaging to um, queer members of the church. Uh, they passed a new policy that uh, people who were gay uh, were now uh, gay and had been in gay relationships were now considered apostates, which is a very strong word in Mormonism. Um, that their children were not allowed to be baptized without until they were 18 and without right. special permission by the first presidency in Salt Lake City, um, which is just a shit show because our generation um, they handled being gay by, we'll just get married to a girl or a guy, um, the opposite sex, and it'll go away. Right. Just do the right thing and it'll go away. And so <laughs> there was a whole slew of marriages that came out of that time that were mixed orientation marriages and that had children because they were doing the right thing. They wanted to do the right thing. Do. <laughs> and the marriages, of course, <laughs> were not successful. Um, and and then the church follows up with this policy change saying, oh, by the way, your children can't get baptized because you're gay. Wow. Yeah. So, there is so just, much context to this that I had no idea. Again, just more information. And that was the last thing that went on my shelf. Wow. <laughs> just to clarify for me. Yeah. So these they, this information came out. All these people that were queer, gay, wanted to do the right thing so they got married to yes. members of the opposite sex had kids because that's what the religion said to do that's how you get into heaven and then once they had the kids the church was like oh by the way your kids aren't good so enough. no it was if you so the the stipulation was if you had ever been in a homosexual relationship 
then you were considered one an apostate and two your kids could not get baptized without permission from the first presidency and they also had to be 18 years old which normally you only have to be eight years old to be baptized so if you had ever been in a gay relationship ever even if ever. you even if you once stopped and yeah. then got married to a member of the opposite yes. sex and had kids those kids had to yeah pay for that yeah that crime or whatever quote unquote yeah, yeah. that's yep. It's really. I was. It was deeply upsetting. Deeply and that brought upsetting. so many people out. That thousands that, of people left the church because of that. Well, yep. ordained women started it, and then that followed it up, and literally thousands of people left the church within like a five-year span of time because wow. of those two things. And and the church really has been hurting ever since. And they've they've since backtracked on some of those things, but. Um, but the, I mean, the damage done the damage is done um and it it, at that point i i was done i was exhausted um i couldn't really engage anymore i um stopped interacting with the groups that's when i got my tattoo that's when i was like i'm no longer mormon at all i don't want to be associated i don't want to look like it i don't want to and this was out with the bathwater right and i had just come out to myself at that point like that was the first time that i was like wait i think Sometimes I think girls are real pretty. (laughs) (laughs) What? And and maybe, maybe that's more like, you know, there's all sorts of like, oh, I'm just appreciating objective beauty. Oh, the justification. (laughs) Oh, the doubt. Maybe I actually just want to make out with them sometimes. But at that point. But I'm not gay. No, no, no. But I was married, so it was like, oh, fun fact for Holly. You know, like, oh, she's kind of queer, but like, doesn't matter because I'm married. Um, And so I I had to exit the groups. I couldn't really... I just couldn't really. I couldn't talk to anyone who was Mormon, um, who was formerly Mormon, who was in any groups. I couldn't deal with anything that looked like religion or belief. Um, Dogma, like, gave me hives. I just, like, couldn't handle for a really, really long time. Um, And it took years. It took years of therapy. It took years of um, spending time with myself and really, like, defining my own identity. It took a lot more trauma to happen, a lot more relationships to fall apart, um, to get to the point where now I can, I can see the parts of myself that are Mormon and love them and know that like, that's just my heritage. Like, that's just who I am. Uh, you know, seven generations isn't going away anytime soon, but I can redefine it and reclaim it and, um, access it in new and exciting ways. I did have my records removed. Um, nice. Congratulations. Thanks. It was actually so much less dramatic than it could have been. And I kind of love it. It was one of those things where um, I think it was at least a year, maybe a year and a half after I stopped coming to the church. Um, my bishop sent me an email. He was terrified of me. That's another story. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. He sent me an email and was like, hey, Holly, just wondering how you would feel if I sent some youth over to sing you Christmas carols. And I read that and I was like, you know, I'm good. And then immediately went on and signed and like filed the paperwork to have my records removed. And it was just like, I don't know. And it was like, really, it was just like an average Wednesday. It was really chill. (laughs) I was like, I'm good. (laughs) 
I'm done. I'm out. Nah. Yeah. Didn't even respond. Yeah. I was like, I do not want 12 year old carolers to come to my house and passive aggressively make me feel guilty for not going to church. I won't. No. I'm good. (laughs) That's a good. That was a good one. I thought they were. I thought you were going to say more uh, missionaries because that's a that's a pretty typical. They came for a long time. No. I mean, is a good. That's a good. I know. It's sly. We're going to bring you a turkey and some cookies Mm. and they're going to sing you songs. Cute. No, I don't want oh, it. That, 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 not to like jump onto something else, but that using kindness as a manipulation tactic. Oh, yeah. They're so good at I mm. can't. That's one of the, I hated, I hated that um, with, you know, well, let's do all these nice things for them. Yeah. If they, ours, we did more like, we'll feed you if you come to church. Right. We're not going to oh, bring you food. We did that food, too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, if you come to us, we will give give you, you know, give you whatever you need. It's really hard for me to hear other people who have never been Mormon um, say how nice Mormons are. And I hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. Anytime mm-hmm. I say that I was born and raised Mormon, people are like, oh my God, Mormons are so nice. They're and so I'm like, nice. it's a performance. <laughs> Don't listen. They're actually, and they, the thing is, they actually are nice. Yeah. yeah. They actually are, but it is from personal experience it's fueled by fear and obligation and I think they are genuinely nice people Um, I was a nice person but I was also terrified I was terrified of doing the wrong thing and of not being enough and not trying hard enough and um, not getting into heaven (laughs) you know I will say uh, I will break the stereotype of Mormons being nice because I was <laughs> externally to very select few people. Yeah, I was nice through and through, but I was sure. also terrified. Mm-hmm. And in that fear, I put down a lot of people. Like totally. I was the bully in yes. a lot of situations. Yeah. And not justifying it, this is something that I've had to reclaim in myself, but that like, if you aren't doing it, it is getting done to you sort of perspective and um, have you seen the t-shirts that say I'm sorry for what I did when I was Mormon I I posted (laughs) about it I I follow um, not so Molly Mormon on Instagram Um, and I, and I, they posted that once and I was like but seriously but seriously it's not excused in any way shape or form but let's just understand the stress that we are all under in those moments that brought us to those really extreme extreme points (laughs) for us it was um, just like gossiping so we were nice to people's face um, but I mean, it was as soon as you turned around and walked out that door, it was free game. Mm-hmm. And you know, all those yeah. jokes they talk about, like, well, you know, I'm not going to judge, but this isn't gossip. But that's what the, I think back some of the things that the, I said about people. Mm-hmm. It was never like we never did the whole like we never used derogatory terms. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know? So we never like we never I, I'm not going to give examples, but I'm just saying we never like used derogatory terms or said this person is it was always like you know the can you believe they're like this or they're like so that, strange yeah but you like, were all thinking those really awful words yes and we would just yeah. i mean that how all couched in pity yeah yes all and that poor thing yeah they're that, just lost yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that or, and and all of the kindness all of the <sighs> kindness is spun in that way of like i am better than you yes mm-hmm. and boy exactly. doesn't that make it really hard to accept help now Oh yeah, because and everything's pity. It's not help. You don't actually, mm-hmm. you don't actually care about me. You have an agenda. You don't can love you me. It? You have an agenda. Can you say what you just said again? I said that makes it hard 
to accept help now, right? Wow. <laughs> I'm not looking at anyone. Uh, can you look at me, please? <laughs> or, or, or feel genuinely loved without manipulation, yes. right? Like oh, genuinely was, seen as a mm-hmm. unique and individual person. It's yep. One of the it's one of the hardest battles yep. that I still fight all the time. When I first came out, the first like the first basically two people in the queer community, um, Colton and Devin, fucking incredible people. Oh. They taught me so Heroes much. They, love, they, they really you. are. They really were that like, you know, that like that character in the movie that like takes someone under their wing and yeah. you're like, that's the, they were that for me. They were, they literally yeah. did that. I was, I mean, I just came out of like, I was saying racist shit. I didn't know it was racist. I was saying homophobic shit while being a gay person. You know, sure. like I yeah. was saying so many things that I had no idea how utterly horrible they were and they never judged me. They just directed me. They, they definitely were like, that's not funny. You know, they never like, they never like patronized me. They so didn't sh- necessarily shame you shame. or it made was, you yeah. feel ignorant. No, but they certainly educated you. Yes, and they were very firm with their boundaries. I yeah. really appreciate everything they did. But it was like I'm not exaggerating. Two to three years before I started to believe they actually liked me. Yeah. I always just thought they were pitying me and patronizing me. And I'm not saying that as like I'm genuinely. I would just yeah. be like, oh, well, you know, they're just doing this because they feel so bad for me or I have no, right. you know, like. What a service what they're doing spending exactly. their time yeah. with me. Yeah. Or it's just because they're being nice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're just being nice. They people just pleasing. genuinely like, these are also people as exhibited by this behavior. They don't feel obligated to be anything to anyone. You sure. Know? And Great. so if they're around you, it's because they want to be. Yeah. And, yeah. but th- th- that was, it was. I just didn't believe anybody was capable of liking me, you know, because it was everything was an agenda, you know, Mm -hmm. all kindness, all acceptance was all an agenda. That's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. Look, we could go on forever. We have 20 minutes left. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, we have 10 because we have to be out of here. Okay. So. Last question. Do you want to play a. Okay. I don't think we have time uh, to play a song. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> last question, criminy. Um, um, when are you coming back? That's my last yeah, question. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> when do you want me? I'll, when are you doing next week? God. <laughs> I mean, I'm into just doing this next month. Cool. Yeah, the yeah. second yeah, that would second be, weekend. Yeah, because that's the oh. that's the Saturday you'll be here. Just kidding, I won't be here. We need to talk about that. <laughs> okay, um, we'll we'll schedule it. We to will determine. We will need to schedule it though, because I do have so many questions. There are so many little like bits that I sure. want to expand on, and we're not even like yet talking about what your future plan is, and, right. like you know what I your know. dreams and aspirations are, and just. To make it very clear you have an open invitation oh my god on this podcast (laughs) always you are always welcome here um i i i feel we've sat we've sat here and talked for two hours and i feel like we've got about i don't know yeah 0.5 percent of what you like um just just in the few conversations we've had the amount of like one of the things i was going to say that's i'm so glad i remember one of the things i was going to say is um and I mean this genuinely, is that listening to you talk about what you're doing, mm-hmm. something that I have a really hard time with is um, the constant fear of not doing enough, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But also with, and I don't I don't mean this to sound for pity, this is not what I'm saying, but with the trauma I experienced, which is severe, with the chronic illness I have, and all of the things that come with that, 
um, and then whatever neurodivergent things are going on in my brain, everything is very difficult. Yeah. So I have a lot of things I want to do. I want to go back to school. I wanted to get, wanted to get a degree. I want to write a book. I want to, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Put on my, you know, cape and fly around and save kittens by the trees every night. All you know, of like, it. I want to do it all. <laughs> and it was, it's just very, I just want to say that like, like, it's very impressive to me to see what you're doing and, and to know even just a fraction of how difficult that is to do. You know, going to school, getting a degree, being a parent, being a yeah. person that exists <laughs> and, and helps people is exhausting. And then to know what weight you're just carrying, what life just looks like because you have right. this. Um, it's, it's, it's impressive. And I just want you to know that like for me observing you, like seeing it, it's, it's inspiring and it's incredible. Oh. And I like see that and I'm just I'm I'm glad that you're that you're that you're doing it, that you're able to do it. It's Thanks. it's um it's it's really incredible and, and I mean I can't wait to see what more you do, you know, like <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kinda yeah. No, it feels inevitable. It's I feel like I've just like transitioned from like Mormon missionary work to like yeah. the missionary work of heathenism and yes. and, and free thought. <laughs> that's something yes. I, I don't know how to articulate it. And I'm sorry I'm taking up the last few minutes but by saying this, but that's something that everyone has their different kind of brain of struggles and challenges and there's yeah. things that some people can and can't do because of what they experience. That's just how it is. Right. You know, some, and, and I did not get dealt the hand where I could take, I could redirect my focus. Mm -hmm. I just, that, that just wasn't an option for me. It's not my fault. I don't feel like it's not, I don't, I'm not failing. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just my particular brand of trauma didn't allow me to take this, energy and motivation and, and, and focus yeah. and put it into, you know, something else that like education or, or a degree or right, you know, like that kind of like, like a specific, if that makes like a transference, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I just, so I'm doing other things like this podcast again, like You're I'm, doing not, a lot. I, I'm doing yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not saying this as a self-deprecating thing in any capacity. I'm just saying that that was my part. And I just have, I, I admire Thank and I'm you. so thankful that that there are people and that you're able to to do that because it's it's I don't know I can't I can't put it into words <laughs> you're doing but it great. makes me happy I and I just too. think it's so fantastic <laughs> and it's just I love I love it I'm glad that I'm glad that you're here I'm glad that you're doing this I'm glad that you're sharing with this with us it's really it's yeah it just makes my heart happy Aww, <laughs> yeah and to say what you were saying about you know you're in it, you now have a new mission yeah. in this how fantastic that there isn't a mold for that that you get oh, to determine. Oh, it's terrifying. But like, <laughs> yes, 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 for sure. But yes, I agree. But that is so incredible that you get to determine what that sustainability looks like for you. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah. yeah. Okay, my last question. Okay. What is your astrology sign? Ah, okay. Well, I'll give you the big three. I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. Oh, I have. I know. Right after me, I'm a Scorpio. Amazing. <laughs> uh, Sagittarius, Leo rising, and a Taurus moon. Oh. So I'm like a slow burn. <laughs> You're stubborn as that. shit. I am stubborn. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, you listen, you don't know the astrology. I don't. I also have a stellium in Capricorn, which like. I don't know what that means. I'm not. I, I, I will not be Capricorn, stopped. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
would I I don't know if we've talked about this, but I would love to talk about just be like this is this is this is my astrology. This is my science. What I would love mean? to talk astrology anytime I mean, with anybody. Yeah, yes. so, I love it. So so you are a professional astrologist. I'm a professional astrologer. Yes, so astrologer. Yep, it, yep. I love it so much, and it's taken a long time to like get to a place where I can feel comfortable saying that. But it like I am so jazzed anytime I can read somebody's chart and. Um, walk that journey with them. I do a lot of educating. Uh, I like to do natal charts specifically, mm. although I can, you know, dabble in the other things. But <laughs> it's a it's a really powerful tool for defining yourself. Yeah. And when you've lived an experience or a life where it has been defined for you in so many ways, it's it's a great starting point for c- figuring out like how you're going to orient orient to your own individuality and yes. so that's my favorite part really yes okay so my last last question <laughs> yeah. how can people find you that's what if I they want oh, yay. Say, yeah they wanna, so they want more of you <laughs> the easiest way is on Instagram my handle is do people say handle anymore that felt really old just then. I, it, <laughs> sounds, it sounded natural it to me. It felt in so, place, but, but maybe that's just, just how just old us. we are. I heard my, I heard my teenagers saying, Ugh, mom, cringe. Um, <laughs> they say at now. <laughs> it's at the, oh, no, no, you're right, though. A handle is like handle. old, right? Wow. Ew. Okay. Anyway. anyway. Well, it's not old on this podcast. We love it. We'll call it well, a thank handle. You. <laughs> you can find me at Holly Ray Rising, and Ray is R A E. Mm-hmm. Holly oh. Ray Rising. On... Holly with a Y. H O L L Y. H O L L Y. Ray Rising on Instagram. I think it's the same on TikTok. No, it's not. <laughs> I'll, I have to look that up. We'll post it on our but, Instagram. Um, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I was thinking about it this morning. Like, if anybody DMs me, and that's how I uh, schedule my astrology. If somebody wants to do a reading with me, just send me a message on Instagram. Um, if you mention this lovely show, I'll give you a discount. <gasps> oh, shit. What? Our first... Our first um, <laughs> What is it? What did, what did they say? Promo? Like, yes, or, our promo code. Our first promo code. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, in, just just say, what was it? Tasteful Tears. <laughs> oh, my God. Without Tasteful Tears, you're not getting that discount. <laughs> All caps, no spaces. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you oh, so much fantastic. for being here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. This was this was absolutely incredible. Like I knew it was going to be amazing, but it felt like so much more than yeah. I was even expecting. And we haven't even, I don't even feel like we started. No. We have roughly <laughs> eight more hours to dive into. Truly, <laughs> truly. Um, yeah. But down if you to come back. Oh, please. Abs- as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. We'll schedule that right after. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can find us. We have an Instagram. It's our turn pod. You can also email us at it's our turn pod at gmail.com. And uh, we upload this podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. You can find it anywhere um, there. Um, I am about three episodes behind on editing. <laughs> Be gentle with yourself. I'm, tr- I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm being too gentle with myself because I'm no, very behind you're on not. editing. Um, I did have like a really bad computer issue this week, so I actually w- intended to get caught. Listen, up. Mercury only just got out of the microwave, so that's oh that I, I like it's how been. That was you're about. good. It was out. It, <laughs> we should talk. We'll talk about. It. I'll tell you later. We should discuss. Um, but yeah, I just I did just upload our thirtieth. 30th episode though. Holy the, shit! The episode with me, you, me, uh, and Tony was our 30th episode. Oh my god! I know, isn't that cool? Very cool. With that yeah. number. Yeah, I know. It's it's cool. So check us out. Go go listen to us. It's our turn. Um, Queers and cults. 
We would love to have you. Don't leave. Stick around. The next show is Donuts. It's a musical history show. Great people. I don't know. I can't remember. I think they might still be in the 80s or they're coming up on the 90s. I'm not entirely sure. But um, yeah, it's a great show. Stick around. Yeah. Um, Thanks love... again for being here. Yeah. Thanks Thank for listening. You. Thank you so yeah. much. This was amazing. I cannot wait. To uh, the back. gushing. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> it only yeah. gets more gushy from here. <laughs> let me tell you. We like compliments here. We I enjoy jokes and I do make fun of people, but I also like complimenting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see you next time. Thanks again for being here and have a wonderful day. Go take care of yourself. Thanks a lot.